2: To the Animal Voices radio show, Western Canada's only radio program on animal advocacy and compassionate living. This is 100.5 FM Co-op Radio CFRO on unceded and ancestral Tsleil-Waututh, Mosqueam and Squamish territories in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Today is Friday, March the 11th, 2022. Happy 2022 everyone, as we can say that this is our first time Back live on the air again since the station had been closed yet again in January. But we are back now, and I am excited to be here myself. I am your host, Allison Cole, and I am joined here by my guest co host, Carolyn Carnery. Hi, Carolyn. Hi, Allison. So, it's great to be back. Yes. Thank you so much for coming back on the show. So today we have two upcoming specially themed animal days in a couple days, actually, March 14th. March 14th is Save a Spider Day, which is one of my favorite days to acknowledge. And it's also National Learn About Butterflies Day. We will present informative segments to learn more about spiders and butterflies just in a bit. I am excited to be wearing one of my other hats now that we can do indoor dining events again, and I am organizing an all-you-can-eat Ethiopian buffet feast on Sunday, March the 20th, in celebration of Meet Out Day that day. This is hosted by the wonderful local group Vancouver Meatless Meetup, and two of our very generous and popular stores in Vancouver will be offering... 250 dollar grand prizes for the guests of this event. In a draw and we will have business owner and founder of the stores vegan supply and the new cruelty free boutique friend info to come on the show in about 10 minutes to tell us more about the vegan ethos of these companies and what kinds of goodies you can find there in terms of groceries clothing jewelry homewares personal care products and more we will also tell you more about the meetup event and how you can register so please do stay tuned for that and we we have been acknowledging and caring about the terrible situation against humanity in the Ukraine these past weeks. Animals living in the Ukraine are a large component of this disaster. And later on the show, we will be speaking about how you can help animals in the Ukraine.
3: bitsy spider went up the water spout. The spider out. Out came the sunshine and dried up all the rain. And itsy bitsy spider climbed up the spout again. Well,
0: Ellison, as you mentioned, March 14th is Save a Spider Day. And I thought we'd take this opportunity to just learn a little bit more about our little friends. And I'm wondering what your feelings are about spiders. Are you, do you find them a little creepy or are they?
2: Well, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm like middle age. So (laughs) I've had many, many decades of experience with spiders. And yeah, I used to find them creepy and scary when I was a child. And I have morphed and developed into a person who appreciates spiders and who always advocates for saving a spider. Today, March, March 14th or any day beyond that. So yeah, we went from having, I went from having like very large wolf spiders on the walls in our home growing up <laughs> in North Vancouver Island, freaking me and my uh, sister out. Once yeah. I remember we used to share a room. She had one on her bed and when she was sleeping, oh my gosh, And <laughs> how many times did I have one on my bed when I was sleeping? I don't know. <laughs> but since then I have, you know, cohabitated with a lot of spiders and that's fun. I've had a spider named George, who's been a roommate. I've had a spider named Fred, or was it Frank? I think Fred. Um, I eventually evicted them after a couple of years, um, and I I gently save a spider always, all the time, whenever I can, whenever I come across one in my home or at work or elsewhere.
0: You do, <laughs> and what's your preferred method for for showing them the great outdoors?
2: So I have um what I call a spider catcher, which is basically it's just depends on the size of the spider. So for the really big ones, I have a large, like sort of like seven, eleven big gulp type of um container like that, and because I don't want to get too close. And then I have a, a Christmas card that I so I'll scoop him or her up and then I'll cover him with the Christmas card and then go outside because when I just let them out my window, sometimes I just don't see them. Like, I don't know where they went. I want to know that it's safe outside. I'll go outside and then I'll just drop it there on the cement and make sure he or she runs to safety. And then if it's just for general mm-hmm. smaller spiders, I always have a, a vegan-friendly, I call it bug catcher. It's like basically a Whole Foods tofu pudding cup that has a sticker vegan on it. I keep those around the house in certain places yeah. with the lid and I always just scoop up whatever I need to and drop them outside what about you caroline
0: well i you know definitely fall into the category of uh, of being completely creeped out by spiders but also knowing that i'm creeped out but still respecting them enough not to kill them and yeah uh, you know as a vegan i i respect all animals but i can't say i love them i can respect them and i understand their place in the world and i also uh you know I share a method of uh a glass where I can see it, the spider and uh, the firm piece of paper, and then inviting them to my, uh, you know, to my terrace. But now I walk a little bit further because I've had several (laughs) blow right back in and then scurry around.
2: Yeah. (laughs) I've had that happen with the window. They all jump the opposite way into my body or my face. They jump. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. (laughs) But
0: I try—I try to let it go until the summertime because you know when I put them out in the wintertime, I just think,
2: oh, that's
0: not very nice for them.
2: Well, yeah, Mm -hmm. and that's why I have them as housemates or roommates during the winter. They're living in harmony. They don't really—they don't really move out of the spots that they're in. They just sort of stay there. Yes.
0: Yeah. So let's do a little Q and A, a little rapid fire facts about spiders all right i'm up for it i'm gonna just ask you some questions and uh what are spiders classified as insects mammals arachnids or crustaceans arachnids oh very good in the class of arachnida the phobia is strong for those who fear spiders what's that phobia called
2: Arachnophobia. That's right. My sister has that if she's listening. <laughs> she always says I have arachnophobia.
0: <laughs> and that word, yes, indeed, that is it. And that word comes from Greek for the words arachne, meaning spider and phobos, meaning fear. Now, what are the, some of the reasons given for arachnophobia? Legginess and erotic movements, which are unpredictable, a fear of being bitten, a culture of learning to be fearful from others about spiders and a genetic predisposition to fear spiders.
2: All, or, of, all of the above. Oh, you got it. <laughs> oh, you yeah, did get I it. identify with all of those reasons. <laughs> you know, at least back in my younger days. Definitely, my sister identifies with those reasons.
0: Yes, and it, so as I was just doing my research for this segment, I learned that people from Europe, those with European heritage, are more frightened of spiders. And at God, one I didn't time, know. yeah, at one time they were thought to carry disease, and. uh and there's been research into this notion of genetic preparedness, which is a predisposition uh, for innate uh, to be afraid of certain patterns or shapes, which kind of help you get your genes into the next generation. And, you know, we see that with chicken hawks also. Oh, yeah. If you put, did I remember reading about this in psychology years ago, if you put, you know, a pigeon, the, the shape of a pigeon over a, a chicken or a hawk or these different mm-hmm. creatures when the shape of a hawk their shadow comes over them they run like crazy even though they've never been introduced to that uh, in in the real world at all so it's a sense of preparedness to that shape so i think that's really interesting to know that there can be a ge- thought there could be a genetic element there
2: yeah interesting i wonder if um, people have that ge- like what 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 sparks our fear with spiders Little kids seem to like them sometimes, you know, like poking around with insects. Did you ever do that as a child? Worms, yeah, earthworms, yeah, yeah,
0: and snakes, but,
2: and you snakes, know, yeah. I played with them all, yeah, yeah. You come from you come from the country, right? Yes, yeah, and you used yeah. to play with them. So I don't know what you know what draws our fear really towards them, but maybe we can revisit this. This has been really fun. We'll revisit in a little bit. Is that okay?
0: Absolutely. I have so many
2: more questions for you, Allison. Awesome. Can't wait.
3: (inaudible) Eokh (inaudible) tanuyap. Kuiget Iwans, kuyensna. Hi, everybody. My name is (inaudible) Kuiget (inaudible) Iwans. I'm a member of the Squamish Nation and the Yagalanas clan of the Haida Nation. You're listening to Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. We live, work. and broadcast from the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. This is your big chance, so don't blow it. We're here to present the cutting-edge radio you want to hear. What about a program featuring just local Vancouver bands? No market for that.
0: We have an expert on gospel music. No. Our public affairs programs dig deep with voices other stations won't touch. No. No programs with first nations
3: hosts sorry no market for that
0: we've got a lot of shows in other languages for people all over the world folk music (laughs)
1: you're kidding right who would sponsor that can't make big bucks with programs people want to hear
0: you have to go to co-op radio for that community-owned radio now at 100.5 fm the switch is on
2: We are back here on the air and uh, Vancouver Meatless Meetup. Your local volunteer-run nonprofit group offers residents of and visitors to the Lower Mainland a variety of fantastic food-themed events where we eat an abundance of plant-based meals at restaurants, potlucks, and more. Many bellies are satisfied and friendships are made in attending these events. With over 4,500 members at this time, and anyone can join. For free. You can go to meetup.com/slash meatless meetup to find out more and to sign up. We're having an all-you-can-eat Ethiopian dinner to celebrate Meet Out Day on Sunday, March the 20th at Axum Restaurant in Vancouver. And we have two wonderful grand prizes to do a draw for at the Meetup Dinner for all the guests in attendance. Our prize sponsor is our generous and local vegan stores, vegan supply, and the new cruel free boutique called Friend and Foe. And today we have Vegan Supplies and Friend and Foe's founder and owner, Jason Anthony on the show today to tell us more about the stores and the goodies that you can find in them if you were to win a grand prize gift or just want to come and check it out. <laughs> Hello, Jason, and welcome to the Animal Voices Show.
1: Hi, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. It's just great.
2: Yeah, this is great. Carolyn, I hear, are big fans of, of your store. She hasn't been to Friend and Foe yet. So we're going after the show today. I'm going to show her how wonderful it is. <laughs> and, um, but she said, I have to go to Vegan Supply. So I was going to go there anyways. Uh, it's, <laughs> we're so close to the station. So yeah, we, we talk about Vegan Supply a lot. And I, you know, Friend and Foe has just come up in the last several months. And I definitely wanted to let our listeners know about what can be found there. But to start with, you are are a vegan entrepreneur and you have a vegan story to share I would love to know what predicated your journey into becoming vegan for ethical reasons and then starting stores to support that mission
1: Well okay I will I will start my way into it and if I uh, go on too long in any one you can stop me but basically I've been vegan for about 18 years. Uh, I was vegetarian before that, and uh back in about 1996, um, okay, actually, there's a little bit of a story before then. So, in 1994, I had a restaurant in Vancouver called Deviate. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was a late-night restaurant in Vancouver, and uh, we had vegan items on the menu back then. I wasn't vegan, I wasn't vegetarian, but I was certainly conscious enough to know that we should have those items on the menu, and... uh Fast forward a couple of years later, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, and part of the healing path that I went on was to explore different diets, and I went through some very challenging times trying to figure out what the possibilities were. I went on traditional meds for Crohn's, and they didn't work. I went on very restrictive diets, they didn't work, and a friend of mine was diagnosed with skin cancer, and his doctor, which was unusual at the time, recommended he go on a plant-based diet. And uh, I decided to go alongside with him because I was a junk food vegetarian at the time. And uh, I, I, I kind of joined uh, him on this uh, you know, path to try and see if I could help support the heal. And hopefully I was going to heal as well, given that I was in pain on a daily basis. And uh, in doing so, I started to watch documentaries. And, and uh, I realized this was so much bigger than a dietary piece. And, um, and as I learned more and more, I, I kind of embraced veganism for all it was. And, um, and it, you know, if you fast forward a few years and, you know, this, uh, this story is probably all too common. Um, I, um, and again, I'd been vegan for years, but I, I saw, I watched Earthlings and I resisted watching Earthlings because I felt I was converted and it wasn't necessary. And I watched Earthlings, uh, you know, with my partner and, um, and at that point, I was like, I can't just be vegan for myself. I, I had spent time eating organic food and doing these things that were supporting my health along the way, but I wasn't doing much to actually make change in the world. And it was at that point after watching Earthlings, I realized I needed to kind of dedicate my life to making uh, the world a better place for animals uh, through uh, transition. And transition was my goal at the time it wasn't about i left that whole um foods to support uh healing piece that i'd worked on in the past which was i think it's it's a valuable piece and i focused on veganism and helping transition the, the mainstream audience towards veganism so that's really what i've been doing ever since and what i continue to do every day and that's the lens i look through so
2: So do you consider your businesses to be a social enterprise more for, I would say, I would say those are passion projects more than, I know you have a lot of experience with as being an entrepreneur, but what makes these two businesses different than uh, others that you've started in the past?
1: Yeah, I think the, the biggest difference is the lens that I look through. It's very much a social enterprise in that. I make bad financial decisions every day. Uh, and sometimes they you know that we pay a significant cost to them. and there's a lot of things about I say, you know how we need to run the businesses better that I think uh, impact our you know all all the stakeholders who are involved. But in general, our lens is about trying to again, we really focus on trying to make it easier to be vegan. Um, and and uh, again we'll talk about this as we get towards friend and foe, but I think veganism has been co-opted by the plant-based movement. so, Friend and foe is part of trying to you know, deal with some of that.
2: Okay. So I think of Vegan Supply, which is one of my favorite stores to be the one-stop shop for all goodies and foodstuffs vegan. And it's, uh, as I mentioned, it's located so closely to the radio station here in downtown Vancouver that I often make a visit after the show to treat myself. What are some of the types of products at Vegan Supply that you would like to highlight for our listeners, especially with Easter coming up?
1: Okay. Well, with Easter coming up, we have, like in the broadest sense, we have about 300 different chocolate products from all around the world. But lots of, lots of local solutions, uh, like Vimt, uh, I think anybody who's been in the vegan community for a while knows about them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Pure Lovin out of Victoria, they do a great job on the chocolate side. But we do have chocolates from other parts of the world. Um, but, you know, we also have roasts, roasts from a wide range of producers. and, and they come in, like, not all will be available for, you know, weeks in advance of Easter. Some of them come in for maybe 10 days beforehand, and there's new products that come in, but that's just specific to Easter. Vegan Supply now has 3,500 products that we work with. Most of Incredible. them are smaller companies, but some of those small companies have become quite big. Um, and, uh, we are looking to try and bring more and more products from other parts of the world and deal with a lot of local small businesses. There's one thing that's really happened since we started this business is when we first started the business, there were no vegan products anywhere. We were the only place to buy them. Yeah. Because, again, we decided to take the risk on bringing these things in. It was really important for so us to grow an ecosystem. And, uh, you know, again, I said this when we started, we'll go out of business because everyone's going to be vegan and that's going to be a great, a great uh business uh, failure story that I'll be happy to celebrate. But right now, I think there is a transition point in between where we can uh, look at what it means to serve the vegan community in a different way. And we're going through that reimagination right now, and we are going to be bringing in some new products um, that uh, are harder to come by uh, in our area and dealing with smaller producers like we always have, but in a more kind of, I guess, primary way instead of a secondary way to try and see if we can help some new uh, entrepreneurs come up. and. Uh, Just saying that, if any of your listeners are starting businesses, I just encourage them to come down and go through that process. It's a bit of a challenging process to start a business in any community, but we are happy to help small businesses get going and have done so since we started our business.
2: I really do love that aspect about the store, which is that you you can find any local vegan products that are trying to make it in Vancouver. You can usually find them at Vegan Supply. I really do appreciate that. Would you say that that is part of the criteria of what products you choose or what else factors into how you decide which of your 3,500 products will make it into the store?
1: Yeah, for us, product selection down to I guess we go back to those main tenants again if it's going to grow veganism and it's vegan and I again I don't want to we've decided to draw a line in the sand we don't carry just egg because it was tested on animals and we don't okay. carry impossible burgers you know there's a lot of blurred lines there's things that we carry that maybe we shouldn't uh, uh, but maybe we should if our goal is transition so we go through that internal dialogue all the time to ask how can we be better and how can we at like if, if transition is our goal, do we make compromises? Do we not make compromises? And to this day, we have only made certain compromises. But to answer your question in a more specific manner, the local companies, were always trying to find ways to help them grow and get to the next steps. And there are a lot of businesses that are publicly traded right now that we were their first um, entrance into the market. Um, as far as, in a more broader sense, it goes back to transition. If we can bring in products from... Yeah, Europe or, or Asia that uh, will make it easier to be vegan. We're going to try and source those as well, especially if they're really hard to come by in our area.
2: That's amazing. So our co-host Caroline has a question for you about cheese.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, let me preface the question by saying that I, for the very first time about a month and a half ago, I was in your store with Liz Marshall, who, um, I think you've interviewed here on the air. Uh, exactly. A
2: wonderful filmmaker
0: of uh, Ghosts in the Machine and, and Meet the Future. And we decided to go together for our very first time. And we were standing in the front of the store. And we were so overwhelmed that we couldn't even... We got our little itty-bitty carts, and we stood there, and I said, Liz, we don't have to read labels. (laughs) There's not a pig in anything. (laughs) There's no dairy. And it was just... There was almost tears in our eyes because we were so overwhelmed um, just by the notion that we were in a store where we could be safe. But what we did do is we picked up a variety of vegan cheeses, and we took them home and we ate them and we were so absolutely shocked and surprised by the absolute delicious goodness of them. And I'm going to a, a potluck on Monday and I am, I have offered to bring a cheese plate with some garlicky olives and some crackers with all the cheeses from vegan supply. And so. I want to ask you what the heck has happened in the last five years because I did a cheese plate five years ago that I, th- I thought I was going to serve to people and it melted into congealed oil and I had to like
3: <laughs> hide it in another
0: room because it was not representing. Yeah. And so now the texture, the taste, the what's gone on here? It's amazing.
1: Yeah. It's super cool. Like, if we talk about change in five years, most of the products that we carry... Well, certainly when I started being vegan, none of these existed, zero of them. Um, and even five years ago, most of the companies we sell weren't around. So I think it's a combination of a few things. There's, like, that kind of, like, food science piece that has really put a lot of time and energy into it because I think there's that business opportunity that drove, like, this... Uh, this corporate interest towards veganism, mm-hmm. which I used to resist, but I see the benefit for transition. Um, mm-hmm. And then there is the like the traditional cheesemakers who've learned how to ferment non-dairy substrates into really magical things. I see. So it's just that, like innovation has, like there's just this collective energy that's been put towards it. And we're just seeing the fruits of those lab- that labor right now. And it's, it's super special. I, I, uh, it really I, is. I, as many products as we carry, like we used to carry everything. We would, you know, I don't know if anybody remembers the old school brands of vegan cheese, but we would, you know, there's course, based out of, uh, Oregon. And we were the only place that sold it outside of the state. Um, and, and now, like, cause there were only a handful of vegan cheesemakers. Now they like, I think in our local area, there's are dozens, like they're of all different sizes and shapes, but, it's really special that uh, and and the the cream hasn't even risen to the top on this one, like we're just getting to the place where uh, we're gonna we're gonna see some uh, I think we're gonna see some really big innovation in areas that were kind of thin uh, we're gonna see some really uh, different products. A good example is whipping cream. We have some new whipping cream coming in in Whoa. the next little while that really <laughs> functions the way traditional dairy whipping cream works. Um, and a lot of the rind cheeses, I don't know if you've experienced some of the rind cheeses that echo uh, Breeze and Camembert. Yes. They're starting to get really good. Um, we also have this uh, shredded cheese from, uh, I think its origin is Greece, but it's not like that whole uh, life side. It's a totally different company. But their shredded cheeses, they they seem more true to texture of mozzarella and again, I haven't tried them for their meltiness, but eating them raw, which is the problem for a lot of shredded cheeses, it actually echoes mozzarella's texture. So, if that's something you're trying to, you know, do, it's so it's just, anyways, lots of cool stuff. Super exciting.
2: You know, mm-hmm. when people are transitioning and they just uh they say they want to go vegan or they're trying to be vegan, but they miss, they always say, "I miss cheese." And this is on discussion forums on Facebook. I always say. Did you know that there are really great vegan cheeses out there where you won't miss the taste? They taste the same or even better. And then if they're local, I always direct them. I say go to Vegan Supply because that is the largest selection in Vancouver where you can find cheeses from everywhere, you know, even globally at Vegan Supply. And you can you can find out what's there and have a sampling of the cheeses. So I thank you for being basically the one stop shop for vegan cheeses and and much more.
1: Yeah, our pleasure. We're looking forward to doing a better better job in this area.
2: So let's talk about Friend and Foe. It's the new cruelty-free boutique just down the stairs from Vegan Supply. And that's another business of yours. It's a compliment to Vegan Supply because it basically has a good selection of everything that's vegan but not food-related, including a hearty variety of different vegan message wear shirts and other clothing. But what else can we find at Friend and Foe at this
1: time? Yeah, I think friend and foe uh, is you know again we have lifestyle products that are um, I kind of alluded to this earlier. I was really concerned five years ago when I started to see this world plant based come up, and um, it, you know it really I found myself reacting to it in a way that it really just caused me problems. I didn't see I couldn't see the full impact of how much the market could shift because of it and people would eat less animals because at the time i was seeing that veganism was being taken over um, by this uh i guess uh concept that could be easily marketed by the corporation and i was trying to reconcile with it over the years and i've come to i've come to terms with it but i still feel there's a big sense of loss that all the byproducts of animal agriculture are still not being looked at because of a plant-based diet you know the mainstream audience feel good about their food choices and it just really doesn't get to core with what's going on with animal agriculture. And it's not even just animal agriculture. But there's so many layers of how we integrate animal products into the industry in general. And so friend and foe, part of that is to really uh, bring to light uh, all these possibilities. Uh, I, I, for years, um, had a leather belt I've had since I was 18 years old. Somebody gifted me a belt then, and I, I'd never had a vegan belt. In, in my first year of being vegan, because quite frankly, I didn't know they existed, and they might not have back then. But over time, I think 12 years ago or something like that, I came up with my first vegan belt. And I think to this day, a lot of people that come in our store, for various reasons, financial reasons, but awareness, they just didn't know that there was a place to get a wallet, a belt, a purse, shoes, you know, skincare products, that a lot of people didn't realize that, uh, they don't understand the bio industry in general and how it funds the meat industry and bust down it based products like ground beef and all those things. And that those purchases, when they continue to buy non-plant-based products, it subsidizes an industry beyond government subsidies in general. So they're important purchases if you can afford them. This is the caveat. They're, they can be expensive at times. So that's what Friends Info is about. It's just to create, like, we haven't done as good of a job on creating awareness yet. That's what we're about to start. The coming month, but it's really about making things available. So when people are looking into things, there's possibility. Nice shoes has done an amazing job in Vancouver uh, providing, you know, some of these things. Uh, We don't have shoes at the moment, but uh, nice shoes certainly has done a great job uh, in that area. But yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of the foundation of it. But they're just like the food industry has exploded all these lifestyle products and uh, personal care items they've really exploded as well. So we're in the process of curating a better and better list, finding out what what people want and um and we're putting out surveys. We're just again we're just digging into all this right at the moment right now.
2: Well both Carolyn and I look forward to checking out FriendInfo and Vegan Supply at 250 East Pender Street in downtown Vancouver after this show. <laughs> so I don't know if you'll be there, but we'll be there. We'll be there after 1.30 and we're going to do some shopping. I'm, I, I'm getting
0: hungry. Talking yeah, about I, need this to I need a snack to eat. Chocolate.
2: I need a snack to eat. I want to give a shout out for Daphna's um, Pot Pies. She's from Breathe Kitchen. That's the first place I had one front. From at and uh it was so delicious. And she's a friend of ours, so thank you, <laughs> Daphne. Many other yummy things that you can eat there as well. Thank you very much, Jason Anthony, founder and owner of our local vegan stores, vegan supply and the new friend and foe cruelty-free boutique. You can peruse their websites at vegansupply.ca and friendinfo.com and even order online worldwide. To check out the prizes we are offering from these stores for our Meetout celebration for Vancouver Meatless Meetup on March 20th, please check out meetup.com slash meatless meetup and go to our Facebook page, Animal Voices Vancouver YVR. We have just opened up more spots to the already sold out event, so you can claim your spot now and perhaps win fabulous gift cards to spend at Vegan Supply and Friend and Foe. Thank you, jason for coming on the show today to share about your wonderful stores and social enterprises take care and talk soon
1: thank you so much for having me it's been a great privilege
2: So I want to talk about our upcoming meetup for Vancouver meatless meetup, which is an organization in which we have over 4,500 members these days. And before the pandemic, we were extremely active in hosting events that are all vegan food themed at restaurants at potlucks. And last year we even went to a film screening and then went for Mexican food afterwards. We had pizza in the park too, but it's been limited with the pandemic. However, as of now, we are able to go back to restaurants. Yay! Caroline, I was just reminded that we have been together to Axum Restaurant. Axum Restaurant is a very vegan friendly Ethiopian restaurant in Vancouver that serves an array of veggie dishes with their famous spongy injera bread. As I mentioned, I'm an event organizer for Meatless Meetup and when I found out we are allowed to go to restaurants again, I said to our organizer, Nancy, I want to start doing them again. Let's go to restaurants. So we've organized a dinner for meat out day on March 20th, which is a celebration of cutting out the meat and eating vegan. We will be having an all you can eat special buffet there. We have a special price for this all. They're going to be charging us only $22. That's including tax and tip. And that's because of our special longtime relationship with the restaurant you won't find that deal anywhere else and they don't usually offer the buffet at the restaurant either every guest at the event will be eligible for a draw of two 50 gift card prizes one for vegan supply and one for friend and foe this is one of our most popular events at axum restaurant so come check it out at meetup.com slash meatless meetup that's m-e-a-t-l-e-s-s meetup and you can see what other events we have coming up as well. We serve the entire Lower Mainland, going as far as Surrey to UBC, Burnaby to Bowen Island, Downtown Vancouver, and much more. You know Ethiopian, Caroline. Do you know what some of your favorites are?
0: Oh, that bread.
2: Oh, just, just the just, bread. Mean, you just, just want to so eat different. the injera. Yeah, injera is like a spongy bread that is made in Ethiopian. It's made of teff and barley. It's not gluten free, and you use it to yeah. scoop up the food. The food are, is basically sort of like curried, but uh, vegetables, mm-hmm. but in an Ethiopian manner. There's going to be, uh, there's going to be something for everyone. Like if you don't like a dish, like the mushrooms, <laughs> but I just fill up on everything else. So we mm. have misir wat, which is split lentils simmered in a spicy hot sauce. Gomen spinach with fresh collard greens in a mild sauce. gomin, which is cabbage, carrots, and potatoes in a mild sauce. That's probably my favorite. Oh my gosh, Alison. Yeah, are you getting You're hungry? killing me here. Okay, you gotta sign but up then. But you know
0: I really love the whole tactile aspect yes. of, of eating with your hands, but you're protected by the bread, so your hands aren't all gooey. Yeah. Like how you? Just how it's like a it's like a spider web.
2: It's fun. It's
0: how it stretches around the food. It and does. Then you close It does. It holds
2: it in. It holds it in. If you yeah. want to see some photos, we have them <laughs> at meetup.com slash meetup, where I encourage you to go right now, actually. And yet, there's going to be more portobello mushrooms and split yellow peas simmered mm. in a mild sauce. And I encourage you right now to go to meetup.com slash meetup. That's M-E-A-T. L-E-S-S meetup where you can go and sign up it's free to be on meetup if you haven't joined yet and I encourage you to attend more meatless meetups because I'm, me and the other organizers we're going to be having more
3: virtuous uh, fires coming up so you can
2: come <laughs> it's delicious. And I hope you can come to this one, Caroline. We'll have to get you in like I think so. We'll have to get you, ask, get your friends. If you're vegan, get your non-vegan friends to come. They'll Absolutely. love it. If you love good food, you're going to love this. Okay, so we actually have 49 people attending right now. There's 11 mm. spots left. So remember, it's March 20th, Meet Out Day. And we're going to celebrate with an all-you-can-eat buffet at Axum Restaurant, which is located at East Hastings. And Clark, and wonderful prizes to be won. You're up next, Caroline.
0: Oh, I think we're going to talk a little bit about what's happening in Ukraine and with yeah. the with what can only be described as heartbreaking uh, experience for humans and non-humans, and uh, those of us watching on from afar, wondering what we can do, um, both on a humanitarian basis and and for. Uh, animals that have been left behind. Now, as we know, many people have taken their animals with them and Hungary and Poland and uh, and the Czech Republic and, and several different other countries have um, res- lifted their restrictions for a time for people to bring over animals that are um, not vaccinated and or microchipped. And they're doing that, and then animals at the at the border crossings, and then animals are kept in in some kind of quarantine, I think for the most part um, and then we'll j- uh, join their people later. but many many people have been forced to abandon their animals, and they it's were so sad and and the shelters were already full to overflowing to start with, and so now that they you know they they have this extra weight upon them. And I was just reading last night while looking at this. So it's really sad As some people thought that they would be leaving just for a few days and they locked their animals in, in their apartments. And, of course, it's not going to be a few days until they no. return. Yeah. And so the shelters are a little bit at odds with the peacekeepers because they are wanting to go into the apartments to get the animals. And uh, they're told that's the equivalent of looting, so it's not actually permitted. So very, very sad And I know that Allison sat down and we've looked through a a number of the organizations that are trying to help animals, and we've come up with uh, a a few between us that we just wanted to give out a, a, a shout out about and we're going to list a number of them on um,
2: yeah they are listed on our on our facebook right. page right now to animal voices vancouver if you want to go there and thank you to our friend marnie yugar for actually compiling these and putting them together or the rescue groups on the ground there
0: yeah it's wonderful to have a list that you can go to instead of getting caught up in some scam which seem to be right these are vetted these out yeah. And so I just want to talk about two shelters that I thought uh, they're large shelters and they're in trouble. So one of those, and I think I don't know how to pronounce the, the last name, but I'll say it's called Shelter Ugolyok, U-G-O-L-Y-O-K. And so that's a safe haven for a number of helpless animals and like right, and and what I like about this organization is that they they're not just cats and dogs. They're doing big animals that require a lot of food. And so they've got 105 horses, 93 cows, some foals, 34 calves, 46 goats, 72 dogs, 12 cats, uh, three donkeys, and 32 sheep, and eight ponies. So this is a lot of big animals. And right now, that they're really having a trouble w- with transportation, with feed, with fuel, and giving to that organization would go a very, very long way. And you'll find the information it, should you wish to give to that organization on our on our site. And it just goes on and on. It's just so heartbreaking to read this stuff. Another one, which has almost thirty five hundred cats and dogs, is Serious Shelter. Uh, spelled S-I-R-I-U-S. And they've been in operation for 20 years and they're right in Kiev, or just just outside in the suburbs of Kyiv. And they're one of the largest animal shelters in uh, the Ukraine. And they need all the support they can get. They need uh, cash donations, money donations, because what's happened here is they've run out of gasoline for mm-hmm. their generators. So they have no heat. And it is cold, and it's winter, and they have—they're not able to pump their water. In addition, of course, they need to be able to buy medicines, and they need to be able to buy food and transport. And transport is causing a lot of difficulty right now because of road blockages and safe passage. So it's very tenuous for all of these organizations, and there—and there's just so many more that I could mention, but uh,
2: yeah, it's just been really just heartbreaking i'm looking at a photo right now because of you as you said road blockages people are walking across the border into poland and in safe spaces and there's a picture of this woman here crossing what looks like a very broken road and she's holding her huge husky in her arms
0: it, yeah. that's something that i've seen Alison, and there's a lot of pictures of people carrying very large german shepherds and huskies and i'm thinking does nobody have a leash Or a belt or... Maybe it's just not a thing there.
2: Uh, I think it is. I've been to Europe. People were in the malls with their dogs. I believe they were on a leash. But anyways, I mean, the graphics are just like really... It just makes it even more heartbreaking when you see in tow this huge dog on someone's chest or on their back and they're going up a subway and they're just trying to get out. Yeah. And that's what you do for your animals, right? Yes. Like, I, I mean, when you say that some people left their animals there thinking it would only be for a few days, mm-hmm. just, just never think that because that's reminiscent of Katrina to me. And that right. was a disaster. We should Absolutely. know by now, right? Never leave a member of your family home when the uh, SHIT is going to hit. Because, I think there was a lot yeah, of shock
0: going on and a lot of, of course. disbelief, lot we of need disbelief to be, that it was going yeah, to happen.
2: We need right? to be prepared. Right? Yeah, We need to be prepared. Uh, there's just one more. Um, it, so there's been, so as you mentioned, farmed animals, rescue sanctuaries, pets, companion animals. There's a group that is working with wild animals in the Ukraine. They're called Inessa Kapinus, and they're also linked on our Facebook page and they rescue foxes so they're a team of girls who love nature animals and especially foxes and they've been rehabilitating wild animals such as Mm -hmm. foxes badgers raccoons squirrels martins hedgehogs and there's no rehab centers in, in ukraine apparently for wild animals so this group is doing it by themselves of course they need funds as well there's just so many efforts on the ground right and I want to I just want to be able to say that if you're here in Canada and you can help and a lot of Canadians have been there's been the Airbnb craze right Mm -hmm. but if you also donate your money to these shelters you'll know that it's going straight to the animals and you can find those links on our website so Mm -hmm. any last final words for the animals and the people struggling in the Ukraine
0: well, you know, this is really dangerous work for the people staying behind. And I know that there was a woman, do you know her name, Allison? That she, she stayed behind with the animals. Right. And to she, she her house was bombed and her son found her body in the morning. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, you look at the selflessness of the people caring for the animals and that they stay behind to take care of them and end up uh, without their own life. And I just, I... Heroes, they're absolute heroes, and I really have a lot of respect.
2: Yeah, I was just so sad to read that story. It really really hit me to see this woman decided to stay home with her rescue animals. The next day she was bombed and found dead. It's so sad. So sad, and this is, of course, uh, it all comes to the larger picture of war, and what are we doing it for? But that might be for... Maybe, I think, Radio EcoShock, they've been covering these further issues as well. You can listen to that next on mm-hmm. Co-op Radio at 1 p.m. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that information. And remember, go to our Facebook page, Animal Voices Vancouver, where you can find vetted reputable organizations to where you can donate your funds to to help both people and animals in need so do you want more spider music i want more spider action (laughs) i'd say more yeah
0: absolutely okay
2: so you're going to continue with (laughs) the question.
0: questions spider web tensile strength has been measured to be this to be stronger than what material aluminum wood steel or graphite uh steel so true. <laughs> it is, in fact, steel.
2: Oh, I was right. And I knew it was something super strong. Yeah, it's super strong. Yeah. That's, and, and that's their silk. Is that what it, you're talking about? Right. Yeah. Right.
0: And we are talking about tensile strength, mm-hmm. and that's just one type of strength. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, what that, let me just see what it's measured by uh, in the force per unit area. So, basically, this is how far it can bend uh, until it breaks. And it's stronger than actual steel. So I think that that is just incredible. But there are many measurements for uh, for strength. How many eyes can spiders have? Four, two, zero, six, eight or all of the above.
2: Oh, well, when there's usually an all of the above, I find that in my many years of schooling, I find that to be the answer, even though I haven't heard of a spider with no eyes, but I'm going to go for all of the above. I know it's a bit tricky, isn't it? But
0: spiders that live in caves sometimes don't need any eyes. Okay. Okay. That's right. But I only thought that that spiders had six and eight eyes. So I was really surprised. Now there's no cyclopses. There's no spiders with one eye. Yeah, I but I've
2: only are, like... seen I've only seen spiders with multiple eyes, maybe one That's per right. leg.
0: But apparently mm-hmm. their eyes aren't very good. They're not they're not good at sight. Mm-hmm. So for all their their eyes, mm-hmm. they're not strongly sighted animals. Why are spiders considered an important part of the ecosystem? A, they eat flies, aphid, wasps, and other insects B, they pollinate flowers and plants. C, they provide food for other animals and birds or all of the above. Oh, it's one of those.
2: It's all of the above. (laughs) You know, the human population wouldn't exist without spiders. Isn't that correct? Is that right? Yeah, well, is yeah. It really, <laughs> because they're really do need them. they're so they're such an important part of our ecosystem.
0: I didn't realize how important they were in terms of pollinating flowers. And uh, it, you know, it's actually said that our plant based food system would be in crisis if we didn't have spiders.
2: Which would be insects. our that would be our whole food system because right. animals raised eat plants.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. Do you know how many um s- spiders are estimated per square acre? On average
2: um you know i remember actually seeing a statistic that was more like every square meter and it was a really yeah. large number number it's, and that scared me so i'm gonna say uh, thousands
0: yeah it's it's like a hundred thousand it's massive it's wow really, it's really massive so that just shows and what are they eating they're eating all the stuff that we quite often consider you know you know calipeters cali- caterpillars caterpillars. (laughs) you know they're eating they're Uh eating this corn they're you know so however you know in terms of what is compromising their their lives the most is habitat loss which is coming from you know intensive agriculture so it's like you know we need them but we're wiping them out so need to look a little bit more closely than that Mm -hmm. this is what indigenous venomous species of spiders in Canada can cause Painful bites, swelling, and may require anti-venom. Is it the tarantula, the black widow, the wolf spider, or the daddy long legs? Black widow. You are right. So I didn't See, even you know that. before
2: doing this hmm. research
0: that we actually had black widows up yeah, here. Yeah, I
2: had them in my house. I had a family... Uh, uh, a mother, I think a uh, black widow came in some grapes or something Ons like that. And, grapes. Yeah. and um and she gave birth. I had a lot of babies. <laughs> oh. I was a proud surrogate mom. <laughs> and you- yeah. And what did you do about that? You know, as we were saying at save a spider day, I tried to save them all in <laughs> and- gently release right. them well
0: i did and, and that's actually the fact that we do get spiders called you know golden sack spiders and uh, or yellow sack spiders mm-hmm. and uh black widow spiders that come up in grapes specifically and then they're in our houses but we do have two species of black widow uh indigenously occurring in canada and it's often thought that we have brown recluse spiders which have that they're dangerous kind of however it's it's none of the reports actually the people didn't see the spider bite them so scientists say are not convinced that we have brown recluses in in canada except for maybe on the absolute border because they like warmer temperatures, they're da- they're down in in California and in mm. m- in Mexico.
2: That's good to know, and I'm yeah. really glad we don't have those. Um, what are they called? Those giant um, plate sized spiders, the bird in, eating
0: spiders. Yes. the bird in, eating in,
2: in well, I'm talking about they're harmless. They're in Australia. I'm trying to think mm. the the huntsman spider. Oh, the yeah, huntsman spider. they're they're like they're a si- the size of a plate. Apparently, they're harmless. I was freaked as heck when our cousin picked us up in Australia from the airport because he said he had just cleaned out his car and found a huntsman spider in the backseat right where I was sitting and that he has them in his house on the walls because it's normal there and he lives in the bush. I was really on edge. on that Apparently
0: uh, Australians are quite comfortable and they they enjoy Mm -hmm. their huntsmans because it keeps their houses clean. So there's a... Yep.
2: I, I mean, we, we're out of time, but can I ask you a, a trivia question? Sure can. Okay, maybe it's on your list. Okay, what is the average number of spiders that a human consumes in their lifetime?
0: Oh my gosh. Goes I, down
2: your throat, goes I, into your stomach.
0: I don't want to think about that. I don't know. Let's Let's say 2,000. Over the course of a le- I don't know. I eat a lot of plants.
2: <laughs> you think I they're in your lettuce? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, sorry. I think I meant when oh. you're asleep. When you're asleep.
0: Oh no. <laughs> no,
2: <laughs> to I'm. to my motion. I, re- I know. I, really... I know random spider facts from being a former arachnophobe, and um, uh, I remember reading I this know. when I was young. Maybe I, zero for me. I don't know about you. Is that no nine? for an average right. for everyone's lifetime? Right. You and me. Okay, that's. I just, know for sure. I'm pretty sure. Well, I'm sure I have swallowed at least one. When I kind of visually remember doing it, when I was <laughs> again with those large wolf spiders in the house, I kind of remembered one night just seeing a uh, spider in front of my face and then gulping it. I don't know if that was a dream or not, but there's nine. That can be one of the nine. <laughs> so okay. Oh, what's our final note on Save a Spider Day?
0: Yeah, uh, so do it. I think that's, you know... Be
2: kind. We yeah, need be spiders. Kind.
0: Well, and especially now that I realize that so much of my fear uh, has been based in this venom and all it So that as I was reading, especially around where we live here in Canada, knowing that there's no, that they really can't hurt us
2: is just, oh, yeah. That's never been a valid just, reason for me when I've been told as a young child, well, right. but it can't hurt you. It <laughs> and, is. <laughs> How does that feel when you have a huge phobia of said creature? Yeah. Oh, but they can't hurt you. That's not a logical reason. It's not logical to be that, afraid. That's right.
0: Yeah. But if you, I don't know, but if I do bring some logic to it, then that mm-hmm.
2: does help me and that's collect yeah. myself and be calm. That's helped me in my right? adulthood. I handle spiders with my hands. Like, it's to a certain size. And and I definitely I'm not I don't have the arachnophobia that my sister has, I think, because I've challenged myself my whole life, my sister just gets someone else to deal with it. And my mom doesn't live with me anymore. So or my dad. So you know, as an adult, it's just me as a solo adult I have to deal with it so I've become I've decided as a vegan who cares about all creatures including spiders and after seeing Charlotte's web which really empathized me to spiders when I was a child you know I I actually really love and appreciate spiders and I try to live harmoniously with them
0: that was actually my last question do you know what uh in that classic tale by E.B. White was which kind of spider was Charlotte (sighs) Wolf spider, orb spider, huntsman or fishing spider.
2: Orb? <gasps> yes. you. Are I just want to say correct. that because she made the orbs. Yes, exactly. yeah She and was an orb spider. I think I got all yeah. the answers correct. I
0: think you <laughs> did. Well, we didn't get mm-hmm. to the hard ones. We'll leave those for another day. Yeah. Uh, spider day next year.
2: Okay, okay. So next March 14th, look we'll out give for you that the really, really hard ones next year. Thanks for that quiz and remember save a spiders day is March 14th and learning about butterflies day, which we didn't get to is March 14th, but I will post a video on Facebook about learning about butterflies. So you've been listening to the Animal Voices radio show on 100.5 FM Vancouver Co-op Radio on unseated and ancestral Tsleil-Waututh, Musqueam, And Squamish territories in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Tune in next week on Friday, March the 18th for another live. Broadcast. We hope I'm going to try to make that happen. We here at Animal Voices modestly ask you to keep connected with Animal Voices via the World Wide Web. Our past shows can be listened to on our website at animalvoices.org, and our podcasts are available on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. So you can subscribe to us there and never miss a show. Join our Facebook page and join us on Instagram, both at Animal Voices Vancouver. And we need help at Animal Voices if you. Um, I want to make some radio and get involved, or if you have computer skills, we always need those. Please send us an email at info at animalvoices.org or send us a message on Facebook or Instagram. So, to close the show today, we're going to be playing a beautiful song in honor of International Women's Months. It's called Divine Mother by the Australian group Sacred Earth featuring vocalist Prem Aliya Williams. Stay tuned next for Radio EcoShock with Alex Smith. Thank you so much for listening to Animal Voices today. And remember to be kind to the animals.